mean, I don't have soles on my feet. We've been marching so long. So they need to take the lead because I didn't enslave them. They enslaved us, their ancestors. I'm not saying you directly. And so until you take the lead and you're willing to admit your complicity, your bias and your complicity in, in, in this whole thing of slavery and this 401 years of um, racism, then there's nothing I can do. I've done all I can do. It's God is saying, I want you all. You profess to be Christians. Now stand up for what's right. Stand up now. Do it now. Welcome to Love Your Neighbor. In this episode, Reverend Ann Kirchmeyer speaks with Reverend Charles Cheek. Welcome, friends. Today is Saturday, June the 20th, and I have the privilege today of being here with my friend Charles Cheek, the Reverend Charles Cheek. I want to give you just a little bit of background about Charles. He is a native of Newport News. He has been a, an activist from a very young age. He was at the March on Washington in 1963. Charles um, has studied at Lincoln University in Pennsylvania, George Washington University, Sojourner Douglas College, Liberty University, and Lancaster Bible College. In his many uh, different jobs, he has an incredible background. Charles has served in the US Coast Guard. He was a detective in the Hampton Police Department. He's been an entrepreneur in business. He has served as a consultant, a columnist, and a radio host. And he also has frequently worked as a community organizer. And then as a pastor, he conducted a street ministry in Baltimore, working with substance abusers, prostitutes, and homeless people. He has been the associate pastor and also co-pastor at churches in Hampton. And currently, Charles is the community networking director for the Peninsula Baptist Association. That's how I met him. Um, and he is also the Jobs for Life catalyst and coordinator for the Hampton Roads, Virginia region. So for people at St. Andrews, you may know that, uh, or you may not know, that Jobs for Life is a ministry in which church folks actively engage with unemployed and underemployed people to help them learn skills for getting work. And one of the sites where this program holds classes is the Four Oaks Day Service Center, which is right down Warwick Boulevard from uh, where, where we are located. Charles is the proud dad of two daughters. He's the loving grandfather of five grandchildren. He also has one great grandson and another one he says is in the oven. I um, first met Charles, as I mentioned, through the Peninsula Baptist Association because Charles and a white friend of his co-facilitate a monthly dialogue on racism, poverty, and violence that gathers together clergy, law enforcement, and community leaders. And so I started uh, attending and was very grateful to do so um, a number of years ago. So in the time that I've known Charles, um, when I was, I was serving at St. George's in Newport News, Charles um, came and participated in some community services, worship services that we did there about racism and reconciliation. 
And um, when I was being, when we were celebrating our service of new ministry at St. Andrews in 2017, Charles was one of the participants in that service. In fact, he gave me a pair of shoes and reminded me that I need to be out in the community. And then actually for St. Andrews folks, um, within the past year or so, one session of that dialogue about racism, poverty, and violence uh, was actually held at St. Andrews. It, it moves around. Um, so I've, I've known Charles for a number of years and have been very um, blessed and privileged by his ministry and the ways that it has touched me and, and challenged me. So Charles, after all of that introduction, um, I just wanted to start with the basic question of how are you? Well, after the introduction, I'm ready to go to sleep because it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but otherwise, I, I'm doing well. I'm having, I'm discovering some new things, uh, obviously with the pandemic. Uh, the great thing about it um, is it's causing relationships to, to build to, to nurture. Uh, the one advantage I tell everyone I, ha I have over them is that long time ago when I was in the Coast Guard, I was on isolated duty on an island. So being somewhere and not being able to do anything is not anything new. Uh, you just learn how to refocus and reposition yourself uh, to get things done. That's great. Thank you. So what is the current situation? And here I'm referencing, um, I, I was gonna say racism, obviously that's not new, um, right. but all of the, um, what feels like increased awareness of it um, and, and protests and lots of um, understandable unrest um, in reaction to these most recent in an unending series I know of, of racism and racist acts, but what is the current situation like right now for you, for your family, and for your congregation? Well, that's a good question. I'm glad we have two hours to answer it. So, um, <laughs> uh, but let's just, let's just go back some decades and, and, you know, because I was entrenched in the civil rights movement. Um, through protests back then, sit-ins, um, and obviously ended up at the March on Washington. And it was a different feel then than it is now, a totally different feel. Then it was, uh, a lot of it was generated from the faith community. A lot started in the church, it, and we dispatched from the church as we went out. Now is is people are, I mean, we, not saying we weren't fed up back then, but we had, a, our goal was to, Get to change the laws to do to uh, to affect so things would start moving towards equality in terms of education and some economic uh, realm. But uh, now is the field is like young folks are saying we're tired of the rhetoric. We're not going to do it the old way. We're going to take charge. You had your chance. Uh, that's the beauty of it. Uh, now. With every movement, there's always some folks that are going to infiltrate to try to shift to some other direction. It happened back then and it's happening now. But we can't lose focus on the fact that it's all about people getting along and loving on each other. That's the whole crux of it. If, if, if we can just 
get if we can just start moving in that direction, then we can we we can solve everything, or at least most of it anyway. Uh, because I see two things that are happening. Um, to be honest about it, and one is mm -hmm. God has given us an opportunity to start building relationships. The pandemic was the beginning of it. If you don't get it there, then I'm gonna bring something else. If you don't get it there, then it's gonna be something else. And so this, both of these are, I call both of them like a dual pandemic. Mm -hmm. But then one is a virus and the other one is a bigger virus, a human created virus. One out of the mind, the other one, un again, that's unseen too. But at the same time, one can make us real sick and put us in the hospital and cause all kinds of stuff with our body and stuff. And the other one is the heart. It's the heart, it's the heart, the head and the heart. We got to, that. The rate, this whole thing with this 401 years of, uh, of uh, indentured servitude, uh, I mean, basically what it is, slavery, I mean, just, it's, and we, we're indenturing everyone. Everybody is, is part of it. Somebody has to be the master, somebody has to be the worker. Somebody's gonna be over one another. And that's what it's all showing us. And we've got to strip it away. We've got to start peeling those layers away. It's sort of like, even with the police, I mean, the, the, with the young people and they're saying abolish the police department or whatever, whatever. Uh, one, of, one of the things that um, is, is seen there is, even since the police have been there, and, and, and I'm speaking for, because I used to be one, right. that we start elevating folks and it starts a new class. So we're saying the police are better than everybody else because you know, we've got monuments for police officers that died, but we don't have monuments for that mother that was sitting on her porch and got shot for a drive-by, through, through a drive-by shooting. Mm -hmm. So we keep, keep building these classes and we keep, and as long as we build those classes, we're gonna have friction among groups. Mm -hmm. So we all have to realize that we're all one. Being a police officer occupations, occupation I chose to do at that time. I mean, I could have worked in the shipyard and the beam fell on my head. You know, I mean, so what's the difference? I mean, basically, one, I wanted to serve people and I wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the mindset we need to have. Even, you know, even during this time as clergy, as pastors, it's all about help teaching people how to help one another, mm -hmm. to repurpose, to repurpose themselves, repurpose the vision, to, to go back to the thing. Uh, as I was having a conversation with some pastors last night and I said, you know, I want you to do some research for them. I want you to go back through that Bible and, and tell me how many times Jesus was in the, behind the pulpit and then come back and let's talk about it. I said, and now once you do that research, let's look at, let's do a comparison with you and then we'll know why relationships are being built in the community. Wow, yeah. That's Very sort funny. of a long roundabout answer to to get to what you asked though. No, thank you, that's really helpful. So I'm gonna shift just a little bit. Um, if you're willing, could you talk a little bit about how you personally have experienced racism in your life? Wow, that's another three hours. Um, uh, so let's, well, couple, a couple of things. I, I'll take one from the youth and one and one from now, I actually saw a body hanging from a tree. Um, uh, a young man who went into town in this city and and he just, 
looked the wrong way. And so his life was taken from him because of that. Uh, one of the most meaningful acts that occurred when I was about 14 or 15 years old, uh, my grandfather was a, a big activist in rural North Carolina. He also passed it like two or three churches. So we went to, we went to visit him during the summer. Um, on Sunday mornings, we get up at six o'clock and then come back home to 10 o'clock at night because wow. those, going to visit those churches. So anyway, um, there was a group of college students there and they were doing voter registration uh, in the community, in the rural community there. And so uh, they asked me to go out with these two college, young college students, female college students, they have some male presence. Mm -hmm. And so we walked the road, knocking on doors, talking to people. Uh, so we knocked on this one door and the, the voice inside said, come around to the back. I'm in the, on the back porch. So, I mean, I, didn't think no, nothing of it. So we walked around to the back. And as we got to the side where the door was, I heard something rustle. And I pushed them back. And this and this white lady came with a, a, a pail of hot water and said, you nigger lovers and you nigger get off my property. Don't you come back. And so once that started, once I had that experience, I said, enough is enough, you know. My trajectory has to be about getting people in relationship with one another, about showing the wrongs of the world or, or folks from the eyes of a youth and how we can affect it that way. Mm -hmm. so, so then it's my involvement with the American Friends Service and attending World Affairs camps and camps on racism, et cetera, et cetera. Back in the 60s now with whites and black, young teenagers. Um, mm -hmm. We're trying to change the world, but we had no idea how we were going to do it. Um, uh, but that was that was two that really affected my life. The other, I would say, you know, once I realized my father was a Tuskegee Airman, I really didn't pay a lot of attention to that, and he didn't discuss it like a lot because I knew why. Once I was growing, I knew why because it was a horrible experience to them. It wasn't until recent years that. People, we started paying attention to them and even honoring them in their service. Um, so you look at how that time really beat a man down because I saved your country, but yet I can't come back and buy a house, use the GI Bill and, and those types of things. So those were the things that, but at the same time, uh, and I was not angry. I was just disappointment and, and saying there has to be another way. Uh, folks, I remember the old people used to tell me, said, son, wait on the Lord. And I would say, you sit there in that rocking chair and keep rocking and you wait, but I'm moving, you know, so. Uh, but at the same time, as I look at it now, there was some wisdom there, but I just didn't know what it was. Um, you know, I needed to order my steps instead of just saying, okay, take up a sign and let's go march, uh, which was good. It was okay. I mean, it was, it was fine. It was, it was a thrill, especially when the dogs come and the fire hoses came. But uh, uh, of course, I was a lot faster then, so the day I have to be more strategic. You know, I have to wait for certain things to happen. But it still continues today, and I still, we still get, I mean, I've been profiled by the police here locally. Um, I've been asked my ID 
for my ID and my information when the white person next to me wasn't asked. And neither, we were just in, having to be someplace and something was going on, um, not really doing anything. So, I mean, it's a continuum. It's, it, it doesn't stop because we can't, we can't legislate our way out of it. We're just going to have to impact the hearts and minds of people. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Charles. So um, obviously I'm here as a white Christian um, speaking to you as my, my brother in Christ. What, what can white Christians like my congregation and me, what can we be doing in your eyes to be allies for you, to be helpful in, in what's going on? Well, it's, it's so I'll look. I'll do the analogy of the, the march that we're having to walk, the, the faith walk we're having today mm -hmm. uh, on Friday. Uh, uh, one of the th one of the things is uh, a lot of folks ask me, Charles, when are you when are we going to do a march with the church? When are we going to do something here? We need to react. Well, I said I'm not going to do anything until the white church takes the lead, purposely, because we we've been marching. I mean, I don't have souls on my feet. We've been marching so long. I mean, like, um, so they need to take the lead because I didn't enslave them. They enslaved us, their ancestors. I'm not saying you directly. Um, and so until you take the lead and you're willing to admit your complicity, your bias and your complicity in, in, in this whole thing of slavery and this 401 years of um, racism, then there's nothing I can do. I've done all I can do. You know, I can keep crying and screaming in the wilderness and 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 ask the Lord when, 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 when. But until, and I think that's part of this whole double pandemic, is God is saying, I want you all. You profess to be Christians. Now stand up for what's right. Stand up now. Do it now. Because I don't think there's gonna be a good outcome if it's not done now. I really don't believe it. I don't, I don't see it happening. Um, and so I think the church is being given a very specific role at this time, at this time in history, to either be the church, because now we can take our focus from a building and focus on what the Church of Christ is. Mm -hmm. And if we focus on that, then we'll start moving with conversations, no matter how small, no matter how big, we can start that movement with con conversations. We can do like you and Gail and, and your, your little posse did, get together with folks that don't look like you and start having conversations. And eventually we'll start moving closer and closer because we can't just have a relationship with God. We've got to have a horizontal relationship with each other. Uh, otherwise, the vertical one means nothing. So start conversations, start, I mean, if, if it's no more than somebody picking up the phone and say, Charles, I really don't understand this as a white person. Can we talk about it? Fine. Um, can we start doing some meetups or if it's no more than 10 minutes and walking on the beachfront or 15 minutes just to, just to, just to say or see that I'm not going to bite you and I hope you don't bite me. But uh, uh, but we can we can be civil. We can be understanding, because unless we're saying they're two different gods, I think we worship the same one. Mm -hmm. So if we worship the same one, then we need to act like we need to 
stop saying there's there's this big separation or divide. We we had to divide back in the 1800s and so forth with two different churches as they manifested themselves. And look where we are today. Is it any smaller? No, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm especially struck by what you just said about white churches needing to take leadership um, because I mean, that makes such sense to me. We're the ones who've been wielding the power and holding the privilege all of this time. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I'm, I'm giving me lots to think about. Thank you for that. Yeah, you know, I, 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 and your question kind of reflects on something else too, because I guess I don't know what it is, the great, 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 um, whatever that, that I had sex with my great, 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 great grandmother. And he was a United Methodist pastor. That not only he, because his wife was pregnant, so he had to find favor somewhere. Uh, it wasn't enough that he was manufacturing corn liquor, but he had to do something else. So the manifestations of what we see as sin is, is covered up by I can get in the pulpit and preach. Uh, you understand that? And that's, that's I mean, and, and to trace your history back to that. And just to say, it wasn't an intentional act from my grandmother's part, no. my great-grandmother. It was forced upon her because his yieldings of his body, he couldn't control. Right, right. But he had all the power in that situation. Yes, exactly, exactly. Wow. So, Charles, what, if anything, gives you hope in this current situation? Young people, young people. I, I think um, what I know, they're going to redefine church as we see it, as we know it. Uh, because they're not going to come into areas or places where it doesn't look like what they see when they go to school every day, when they go to work, where they play, or any of their actions, what I call their hood, where they work, play, sleep, blood, or whatever. Um, so they're going to demand the changes and they're not going to settle for anything less. And so as they define it, how do we react to that in terms of, uh, the, the local church, um, structure that's, that's going to be challenging because if we're, if we, if it takes this for us to change, to start addressing racism and racial injustices, how do we switch at the same time to start telling them you're right? Because we can't do it to each other right now. So what we do, we demonize, we pick issues. Well, they shouldn't be out there after nine o'clock. Well, somebody did this. Well, it wasn't them that did it. It was somebody else that was trying to uh, hijack the movement. So it's, it's going to be a difficult time, but at the same time, it gives me great hope. It gives me great hope. And I hope when I close my eyes, I'm smiling because I've been a witness to this. You know, so. You're making me think about the verse, I, not being a Baptist, I can never quote where they come from, but um, a little child shall lead them. Yes, you know, yeah. I think about that, that yeah. verse. And what you yeah. Said. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, Charles, I'm so grateful for your willingness to, to spend this time with me and also to cull down your answers from many hours to, you know, <laughs> something a little shorter. Um, yeah. what, what we've been doing with these is just ending with a time of prayer. And if it's okay with you, I'll start and then you can, um, if you're willing, pray and then lead us into the Lord's Prayer. And we'll just say that together. Is that okay with you? That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Holy God, I thank you for my brother Charles, for his ministry, his wisdom, his leadership, and his friendship. I thank you for his willingness to be candid here about his experiences and to share what gives him hope and to offer challenge and words of wisdom to those of us who are white Christians. Lord, I pray that I may take to heart what I am learning in this time and that all of us may be open to learning and listening and also to seeing and seeking you in the faces of all those whom we encounter, no matter what hue their skin is. I thank you for the opportunity to have this conversation, and I pray these things in Jesus' name. Father God, we, we thank you for this day, Lord, because I think this day is, is better than the day before because God, another conversation has occurred. There's movement, Lord, and each day when the sun rises, Lord, I know that you're revealing more and more and more to us. May we open our eyes and our heart especially, Lord, that we will receive that which you are bringing before us. And Father, may we start to erase this uh, idea that of difference and uh, that we just don't want to be with one another because this and that which makes no sense in your kingdom. Father, you gave us so much and help us to enjoy that. Help, help us to appreciate and share it amongst one another. But Father, in the end, it will be just us and you without all of this strife and without all of this injustice. And may we see Jesus as he taught us to to see justice in the gospel. Let us not be afraid. Let us remove the blinders. Let us, let us get our feet to walking and our hearts to receiving. And Father, those words which your son Jesus taught us to say will become more meaningful as we pray. Our Father, Father who, who, art, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Be thy name thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and yeah. forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, listener, what are you thinking and feeling right now? In episode one, Gail said that it has been over 400 years of struggle. 
Here, Charles talked about 401 years of indentured servitude and racism, a 401-year pandemic of the heart and mind. That is a long time for hearts to harden, for classes to be entrenched, for people of color to struggle. If you believe that's wrong, if you believe that needs to change, then everyone, especially white allies, the people with the privilege to keep this system going, needs to take the lead. So go, do. How can you stop creating classes in society? How can you impact hearts and minds? Thank you for listening, and thank you for following and sharing Love Your Neighbor. Join us next week for episode five.